Welcome to Coastline Church, seeking renewed faith in Humboldt County by being settled and secure in God's love. To learn more, visit coastlinefoursquare.com. I feel so loved. You know why? Because faith gave me some love this morning, Aww. and it filled my love tank. Pretty awesome. Thank you, honey. I appreciate that so much. Oh, somebody left me some cup drops. Yay. Awesome. So, Jerry didn't have a, um, a joke, but I have a riddle. Okay, so I follow you around all the time and copy your every move, but you can't touch me and you can't catch me. What am I? Shadow? Jesus. Shadow. Exactly. It's your shadow. The same can be said for your reputation. <laughs> or better yet, your character. Wherever you go, they go. Your reputation is that public estimation, beliefs and opinions generally held about you as a person. It's an outward working, a manifestation, it's a revelation of your inner character. It's based on the things you do and what you don't do, what you say, what you leave out, out there in this public arena we call life. And everybody has an opinion, everybody has a reputation, and everybody has an opinion about your reputation. So Warren Buffett, how many of you know who Warren Buffett is? I didn't even know who he was. Yeah, the back row knows who Warren Buffett is. Oh my gosh. Okay, he's the CEO of a large company, and I won't tell you which one. He's one of the world's richest men to the tune of $113 billion. He says, it takes 20 years to build your reputation and five minutes to ruin it. So your reputation can be lost. It's a fragile thing. Proverbs 22.1 says, a good name is more desirable than great riches. Your name, meaning your reputation. Who people, what thought does, do people associate with your name? A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be held in high esteem is better than silver or gold. And I love the way the message puts it. It says, a sterling reputation is better than striking it rich. A gracious spirit is better than money in the bank. So it's valuable. Your character represents the values that you stand by, that you hold to, that you have cultivated in your life over time. It is the inward working of those attributes and distinctions and qualities, traits and abilities that you possess and set you apart from anyone else. Character is your moral and ethical strength and integrity. And you know, I had to look up the word ethical in the dictionary because I thought, well, am I right? Do I think I know what that means? Yeah, it just means that you know what's right and what's wrong. 
That's ethical. <laughs> Character, Abraham Lincoln says, is like a tree, and reputation is like its shadow. The shadow is what we think of, but the tree is the real thing. And Thomas Paine, who was a revolutionary uh, man who, who wrote the book called Common Sense that was very popular at that time in the 1700s, he says, reputation is what men and women think of us. This is the part I love. But your character is what God and angels know of us. So where does all this begin? This reputation thing? How people know us? Well, Proverbs 20.11 says that even a child is known by his actions, by whether his conduct is right and pure. You know, we start evaluating others at an early age. I mean, as a baby, we start we start evaluating our parents. Are they trustworthy? Are they going to feed me on time? Are they going to change my diaper? Are they loving? It starts when we come into contact with humans. We judge our parents, our friends, our schoolmates, all those people that we hang out with our teachers, our bosses, and even our spouses. God says all man's ways seem right to him, but the Lord weighs the heart. To do what is right and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. That's Proverbs 21, 1 through 2. So let's take a look at some people found in the Bible who have had their reputations and their character put on display. The Bible is full of them. <laughs> God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people of the earth had corrupted their ways. What am I talking about? What, what, where am I going with that? All the people were corrupt. What, Randy? Sodom and Gomorrah, yeah, they had a reputation. This is about Noah. Noah was righteous, was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. He was the only righteous man that God could trust to save um, those parts of his world that he chose. And he walked with God. I think that's the most important thing or attribute that, that Noah even uh, had was that he walked with God, he listened to God, he obeyed God. And Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. King David was known as being a man after God's own heart. And yet he did what? He sinned. And yet God loved him. In Esther 9.4, Mordecai, Esther's older, older cousin, refused to bow in reverence to Haman. Boy, did he get mad. Haman was ambitious and self-seeking, second in command of all Persia. But Haman was really hung up on himself. I mean, literally. <laughs> because of Mordecai's integrity in reporting a plot to kill the king, he, not Haman, 
Mordecai was made prominent in the palace. His reputation spread throughout the provinces and he even became more powerful. Mordecai the Jew became the second in rank to King Xerxes, preeminent among the Jews and held in high esteem by his fellow Jews because he worked for the good of the people and spoke for their welfare. So let's move to the book of Acts where we are currently studying. So Acts 6 introduces Stephen and Paul or Saul. So I'm going to read uh, Acts 6, 1 through 8. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. I would be one of those. I'm a widow. I want my food. I want it now. And the twelve summoned the full number of disciples and said, It's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. And therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen. Here comes his reputation, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. The others were Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests, even those that served in, this, in the synagogue, became obedient to, their, to the faith. They switched sides. Kind of like this, right? <laughs> and Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. And then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedman, as it is called, rose up and disputed with Stephen. They didn't like what he was talking about. They didn't like that he was talking about Jesus and, and the kingdom. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men. They bribed some really bad dudes who said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes. And they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, This man never ceases he just can't shut up about Jesus, and it's and we think it's against the holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this palace and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Wow. So Stephen, because they chose him, they saw in him some qualities, some attributes, some distinctive characteristics. And I got, I got kind of a compilation from the New King James, the English Standard Version, the New Living uh, Testament, and, or the New Living Translation, and the Message. 
And they all agreed that it was he had a good reputation, he was full of the Holy Spirit, he had wisdom, he was respected, he was trustworthy, he was full of God's grace, he had good sense, and he was full of faith and power, God's energy. And after reminding the Sanhedrin Hadron, about their ancestors' wild, Uh, about the wilderness journey and the history of their forefathers, he blasted them by reminding them of their own reputation. He said, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels, and you didn't keep it. Now when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. And then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Do you remember a place in the Bible where something similar to, Lord, do not hold this sin against them, was said? Jesus on the cross. Lord, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They're not in their right mind. So we meet Saul at the stoning of Stephen, where he approved of the murder, and he held the robes of those hurling the stones. Maybe he even had a smile on his face. <laughs> Saul's reputation preceded him wherever he went, and Saul is known for his rampant persecution of Christians. He was like a, a bounty hunter. He went around chasing them down, putting them into prison, and then he looted their possessions. And maybe, or many, he even murdered right there on the spot. Until, on his way to Damascus, while hunting for more believers to torment, Saul met Jesus. Acts 9, 1-31, or 1-22, excuse me. Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues of Damascus. There was so much persecution going on at that time that everyone but the apostles fled into the other cities. Do you remember when uh, Jesus' last words, you know, and you will be my witnesses to Judah and Samaria and all the, the ends of the earth. Yeah. This is how they got there to the ends of the earth. 
and to Judah and Samaria was persecution that made them flee from Jerusalem. So that he found any belonging to the way, and that's what Christianity was known back then was the way. Jesus is the way, the truth, the, truth, the, life. the life. Men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So not only was he throwing men in prison, he was throwing women in there too. <laughs> now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone down uh, around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. And he was there for three days, and he was without sight, and he neither ate nor he drank. It was a very traumatic experience. One moment you're chasing people and looking for things, and the next moment you're shoved to the ground by this bright, blazing light. And then after it's gone, you can't see a thing. Now there was a disciple at Damascus called named Ananias. The, name, the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he said, here I am, Lord. So what would, what would you think about Ananias? Here I am, Lord. He hears God, and he obeys God. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight at the house of Judas. Look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying, and he has seen a vision. He has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Okay, here comes Saul's reputation. Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he's done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from chief priests to bind all who call on your name. Here's some correction. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me to you so that you regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell off of his eyes and he regained his sight. And then he rose and was baptized Taking food, he was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Hey, isn't that the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon his names? And has he not come here for that very purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But... Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews in, who lived in Damascus by proving to them that Jesus is Christ, the Son.
the Son of God. Saul, he was also called Paul, but that didn't, his name change didn't happen until the 13th chapter of Acts. And it's funny, Saul, Paul wrote 13 books of the New Testament, and he was martyred in 64 or 65 AD. He was beheaded at the command of Nero. There was so much persecution at that time that um, Nero was hunting him down. So exactly what Saul put on the Christians, he was now receiving. Remember, he said he was going to suffer for it for God's sake. As we can see in Paul's life, it's never too late to start building your Christ-like character. I found a few things that a person can adopt in building a solid and honorable reputation and character. So number one is you become a person who deserves one. Do you want a good reputation? Become a person that wears one. You know, people can only judge you on what you, how you act and what you speak. At the moment we are saved, we are empowered to do the impossible by the Holy Spirit living in us. Change is one of the most difficult things that you go through. Oh my gosh. But the word says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. He's changed. But he hasn't done it. The Lord has done it. The old is gone. The new has come. Yes, we still sin sometimes. Remember David? He sinned, but he still had a heart after God. But that's not, our sin does not define us or, uh, and it doesn't cause God to turn his face away from us. His face is always towards us. We have the Holy Spirit as our teacher. The more we sit in his classroom and glean from his teaching, the more we manifest the Spirit's attributes. And what are some of the Spirit's attributes? We find them in Galatians 6.20. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I, I think I lack that last one. <laughs> I've got, I have got to study more on self-control. But you know what? It's not, it's, it's not a... a a secret that, that love is the very first thing because people are love hungry right from the very beginning until you breathe your last, last breath. You need love. And what does Jesus say about his followers? They will know your mind. They will know that I'm in you. They will know that you belong to me by your love one for another. And so in verse 25 of 2 Corinthians, it says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Since you've been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above. You know, if your head is fixed on, on things above, you don't have space in there down here for things down here. So set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not on earthly things. For he says, you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. 
you have taken on Jesus. He's now living his life out through you. So when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. What are some things that we we have in our earthly nature? Oh, the, the uglies, the <laughs> anger, the malice, the gossip, the violence, the, the capacity to do everything wrong. God proclaimed from heaven over Christ, this is my son in who I am well pleased. You have been reconciled into God's family. You are his sons and daughters. You are an heir with Christ. And God says to you, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. This is my daughter in whom I am well pleased. Not by any of your own value or your worth or of your own efforts or of the own reputation you've made for yourself, but by the precious blood of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we live by faith. And faith is simply what we believe about Christ, about God, the Holy Spirit, his kingdom, his will, what pleases him, what we believe. We live by faith and not by sight, so we make it our goal to please him, it says. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. The second thing that I learned on how to make it, a, how to acquire a good reputation, a good character, is take consistent action that embodies the characteristic that you want others to associate with you. So Christ has given us that, that example to follow. It's Philippians 2, 1 through 11. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit with any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humilities count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who thought, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He let it go but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. It says, I didn't come to serve. I came to, to serve. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve, he says. Taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And therefore God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. You, by being of the same mind, 
having Christ living in you, are the hands and feet of Jesus to this world. We serve him, we represent him, we are his ambassador here. And when you talk to someone, is it kind? Is it edifying? Does it sound like Jesus is talking through you? Do you bring peace? Does your behavior reflect honor for the holy? Are you thinking to yourself and asking yourself, is what I'm doing, would that bring a smile to God's face? Does it do harm or does it do good? And do your thoughts align with what God says in Philippians 4.8? Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. Cultivate in yourself the desire to act honorably in all things. The third thing is be consistent. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are consistent. They never change. In Hebrews 13.8 says they are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You can trust God and his reputation, his character, because he never changes. He was that before he formed the earth. He is that today, and he will be that forever, who he is. We are told in 2 Corinthians 4.16 that we are not to give up. We never stop doing good. In Galatians 6, 9, it, says, it encourages us, let us not become <coughs> weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong in the family of believers. Man, i got to say this. I just ran into an, a, a person, I don't even know where it was, but they had the most godly character I've ever seen. I don't know that they're Christians. I don't think they are. They never talk about God, but yet they have this glow about them. They have this sweetness about them that was so attractive. And yet I've also ran into some Christians who are mean dogs. They want to bite you and tear you to shreds. How can that be? This difference like that again right <laughs> dance on um, number four is dance to an audience of one as of 2022 our earth has a population of seven billion five hundred ninety seven thousand one hundred twenty four oh, million five hundred ninety seven million, 124,101, oops, two, I'm feeling a bit crowded here on this little planet. <laughs> Most people are trying very hard to impress other people that are trying to impress other people. Unfortunately, many people live a life that is very confined, it is very shrunken because of the fear of what other people think. You know, when you walk into a room and some people start laughing, I don't know about you, but I immediately think, whoa, wait a minute, are they laughing about me? Is my slip showing? 
Do I have something in my teeth? Is my hair out of sh wherever? <laughs> and you immediately assume that they're talking or laughing about you. Why do we do that? It, it makes you want to run away or hide. And your day is ruined. You assumed that they were thinking, talking, laughing about you. You don't know what they were thinking, talking, or laughing about. And why do you care? There is only one who is worthy that we strive to be our best for, and that is the Lord. God thinks so differently than we do. We find in 1 Samuel 16, 7, when he was picking out the king, uh, King David, he went through all, all these boys in, in the family, and surely that's the one. He's so handsome. Surely that's the one. Nope, he's not the one either. Oh, that one. He looks really smart. Nope, that's not the one either. Okay, finally, they send out for David, who is tending the sheep, the smallest one. In he comes. He must have been a sight. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at your heart. He's interested in your heart. He's so interested in your heart that he only gave you two rules to follow that please him and make him so proud that you're his, and that is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love each other. Love. Man judges the outward stuff, but God searches the heart and thoughts of man. Your true character is what he is checking out. You are a one-of-a-kind creation. There's no one like you in all the earth. Some of you might say, thank God. <laughs> but each one of you has the undivided attention of God. How he does that? He's God. What ultimately counts in this world, in this life, is how God sees you. <laughs> what he thinks about you. And can I tell you, he's crazy, deliriously in love with you. The most important appraisal, evaluation, and opinion is the one God has about you. No one else but him paid the high price for your loyalty and your love. And because of that, you will be spending eternity with the lover of your soul. Your character is the only thing that you leave behind on earth, and it's the only thing that you are going to take with you to heaven. It is through Christ Jesus' life death and resurrection, that God makes you complete in every good work to do his will. He equips you and he works in you to be complete and do what is well-pleasing in his sight. You can't do it on your own. We can't see ourselves as failures either. We need to think, hey, you know what? I'm not going to worry about that because God's already got it covered. God's already done it. He's going to make sure that I get to heaven complete and well-pleasing.
And what does God want in return? All he wants is your heart. That's it. Jerry, you want to come up? Does anyone have anything they'd like to add or share? Oh, right. Please. I had, I had a thought. Yes. Um, I was thinking that here Saul was out looking for people, watching their actions, and using his eyes to judge others. And when his sight was taken away, he still looked into himself. Exactly. He was left with his own thoughts and only to reflect on his Himself, yeah. he's been so focused on others that God took that away when he used against others. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, quite a change in, in Paul's demeanor. He found himself going from a persecutor to a God lover. Pretty exciting what God can do when he's given the opportunity. Anyone else? If not, I'll pray. I love the words that you had in that song. Give me vision to see things like you do. Lord, I pray that over us. Give us your vision so that we can see things as you do, so that we can see people as you do. They are made in your image, and you are so, you said it was good, and it is good. All things you have made, Lord God. I ask, Lord, that you would help us to be the people you desire us to be with your help and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We trust you that you are going to make us into the very people that you desire to live with forever and ever and ever without end. Lord, we praise you this day and we honor you. We esteem you and we lift you up on high. In your precious name, Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining us today at Coastline Church. To find out more information, please visit coastlinefoursquare.com.